Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, I speak with Tess Whitehurst, about how we co-regulate and relate to nature. That when you look at the way we use that word, it's basically non-human. Like anything that isn't human, that's what we mean by nature. Is it natural <laughs> or does it have something to do with humans? It's like we exclude ourselves from that. But the truth is like, it's not just us observing nature. It's like us being there with nature, being a part of nature. Nature is also observing us. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Mojica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now.
I love speaking with Tess because the conversation can go wherever it wants to go. I first met her at the Magic Monday podcast, which is a really, really lovely podcast that speaks about uh, the occult, the etheric, and any kind of alternative spiritual approaches to healing. Um, Natasha Levenger, who I had on my podcast before, who's a Reiki healer and energy worker, um, her and Tess co-host this great show, and they had me on once to speak about somatic trauma healing, and I just resonated with both of them so easily, so comfortably. And I think if there's anything I'm interested in, in any of you getting out of this um, interview today, it's just noticing the subtleties in your body when you're outside in the earth, or when you're inside in the earth. Daniel 4, you know, brought up on one of the past episodes how um, nature isn't just going outside to the forest you know it's also like the wood on my desk and the air I'm breathing you know it's everywhere it's everything Um, noticing how your body is responding to the natural world I find to be quite important and beautiful because our bodies are the natural world it's the mind that comes in and tries to like oppress or analyze or conform and project. But the body just knows what it knows. It knows how to turn blueberries into, you know, antioxidants for our eyes. It knows how to turn carrots into beta carotene to completely uh, purify our blood and heal our intestinal tracts. Our bodies know so much that we will never understand but we're obsessed with studying and we're learning more and more and more. However, no matter how advanced we get scientifically, there's this gorgeous, natural, somatic, sensational world of language that occurs in the body via energy, via vibration, via sensation, when the body is in touch with other living beings. And nature is filled with living beings. It's all a living being. So whether it's a rock, or it's the breeze, or the sun on your skin, or the forest, or a bush, or a butterfly, just noticing, where do I feel this in my body? And how does my body relate to this? I find it important with trauma healing to bring in the elements of nature and the philosophy of animism, that everything is a being. Because a traumatized system is looking and depending on other systems to feel safe with. And for those of us with relational or cultural trauma or social traumas, where people don't feel safe anymore, while we're healing those, we can use nature. We can find beings other than humans that feel safe and can help us create that capacity in our bodies so we can do deeper healing work and then eventually feel safe with people because some people are really safe to be with. But most importantly, the safety in your own body is the only thing you can guarantee yourself through enough practice. And I find the earth to be a beautiful teacher and helper along that journey. And I want to welcome Tess Whitehurst to the program. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I met you many, many months ago. I don't know, maybe even a year ago, the first time on the Magic Monday podcast. Yeah. With, with Natasha. Um, how long have you been doing that? 
Uh, I think since 2019, maybe a right. couple of years. Very cool. And I mean, you're you're a celebrated author and you're a speaker and you facilitate. I mean, there's so much you do. I, I kind of want to let you introduce yourself to us and then I'll ask you some questions. Okay. Um, so I'm Tess Whitehurst. I am an author and a spiritual teacher and a podcaster. And I am really fascinated with the point where the invisible and visible meet, learning to empower myself, teach other people to empower themselves, the ways that we can empower ourselves and inspire ourselves and heal ourselves through an, an awareness of a connection to our bodies, the present moment, the mystery of everything, the earth. Um, really, I, I guess I'm fascinated with being a human and discovering how to do that in the most fun, joyful, expansive, loving, open-hearted way. So that's my spiritual practice. And that's what I teach and write about. That's so beautiful. How, you know, how long have you experienced calling yourself a witch? Was that a path that was just set up for you in your culture growing up? Or is this something you had to discover as you got older? Well, I did discover it. And I, but looking back, I do feel like I always knew it, even if I didn't know it. I remember looking at, at there was a college in my town where I, I lived, I lived in two different towns growing up because my parents were divorced, but in one of the towns, there was a college and they had a library and I would always look for spell books there and I never found them, but I always looked. And then <laughs> when I went away, <laughs> when I went away to college in Pasadena, California, I found spell books at the bookstore and that was so exciting to me. But even as a child, I remember like young child before my parents got a divorce. So three or four being in the backyard. And I remember sending energy and love to my cousin because I missed him and I hadn't seen him for a while. So I gathered up leaves and I mm -hmm. let them open them up to the breeze and imagine sending him love on the breeze. So I just, it's been in my mom. I feel like my mom did pass it to me, even though she didn't say that's what she was doing. She was, she had a, she just kind of taught me to be intuitive and to, um, to believe in that in, in my, in my power, even though we have a problematic relationship it there, that she did teach me. And I do really value that. And what's your lineage? Like what's the ancestral heritage? Oh, um, I am a lot British. I have a lot of English, Irish. I also have Swiss, German, um, Norwegian and a quarter Italian. Nice. I just love to hear what lands and cultures make up a person's body. Isn't it interesting? It is because I think when we, when we look into our ancestry, all of our ancestors at some point had this incredible animistic relationship with the planet. And yeah. so I love how that for some of us that just were born with that already awakened in us others, mm -hmm. you know, they find and discover it, but it sounds like you were just born naturally in that still. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I grew up in an agricultural part of California too. So, and my, I'm descended from farmers on both sides. So um, it, I had a real intuitive, I mean, I didn't realize I, I was an adult, how that was unique, you know, just kind of intuitively feeling connected to plants and growing things. So I want to know, uh, you know, one thing I'm always teaching and talking about, and I spoke about it, you know, kind of recently with you and Natasha is about the under the 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 newfound understanding of co-regulating with the planet. You know, um, there's so much about forest bathing and feeling relaxed in nature and kind of seeing nature as this environment and not always as a being. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm very curious how you see that. How do you experience Earth? How do you experience being with Earth? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, in many different ways, I, I mean, I could talk about it in many different ways, even though I could also think of it as a singular way. But um, one of the ways is by connecting with the elements as uh as having consciousness. So for example, I have a Creek that is walking distance from my house and I like to go there and sit there and then move through the elements. So earth, air, fire, water, spirit. So earth, I'll think of earth and then I'll feel the rock I'm sitting on and I'll just tune into the plants and the trees, but feel it as life, as a spirit like I'm seeing like, like the way you look, the way you feel when you pet your cat or you hug someone like this is a, a this is an intelligence. This is an awareness and then earth and then air. So then I look at the clouds and I notice the bugs flying and the birds and feel the wind and um, fire. It's just really the sun, <laughs> just the sun and light and maybe the light on the water anywhere where I notice that or I feel it or see it and then um, water. So then I, I just look at it. I feel, I can feel it in my body, you know, just different ways to connect with it, feeling the oneness with it and also receiving and, and just knowing that that way of communicating is, it's not necessarily like, like I'm going to hear words or get a clear picture of, oh, you need to do this or heal this. It's more like, this is a kind of a nonlinear way of communicating and receiving information and exchanging information. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's part of nature too. Like when I tune into a flower or a tree, like the, the, um, I can sense, I mean, I have this feeling, this knowing that 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 flower or tree, they know I'm paying attention. They can feel that. And then it's like you get in, you know, if you ever had a, if any of your listeners, if you've had a Reiki healing or had any sort of energetic exchange and you tuned into it, like I feel something happening there. It's like that. It's like, I can feel that we're having a conversation, even if it's mm. not in words, we're exchanging energy. It feels so good to, to know, because that, I think it's interesting how we use the word nature, that when you look at the way we use that word, it's basically non-human. 
Like mm-hmm. anything that isn't human, that's what we mean by nature. Is it natural <laughs> or does it mm-hmm. have something to do with humans? It's like we exclude ourselves from that. But the truth is like, it's not just us observing nature. It's like us being there with nature, being a part of nature. Nature is also observing us. I'm so glad you said that part. You, you know, there's so much you said that I wanted to speak to. The first, first, I'm going to respond with this uh, quote that I love. Um, have you ever heard, read the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Walker? No, I would like to. I've heard about it. I've been meaning to. It, it will definitely touch you. It's it's an amazing book. Um, but someone had sent me an article that she wrote. And I loved at the top was a quote from her that says, to be native to a place, we must learn to speak its language. And I'm always seeing everything through the lens of somatic psychology and the body, especially with the way you just said it with nature, nature being other than us, right? Mm -hmm. Something in the natural world removed from us and we're the observer. And I see the soma or the body as the earth. I don't really see a difference. You know, I see like the bones or the rocks, you know, like the warmth is the fire and the blood is the water and the creeks. There's all the air is obviously our breath. So this ecosystem inside of us is something that we see outside of us in a bigger way. Like when you're sitting at the creek, that's like a huge, let's say blood vessel that you're sitting by, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. just to create that relating. This is what really gets me. Um, you know, mind invented language, but sensation and vibration is something that's so uh, universal, you know, right. that it's even found in outer space, right? So I, I get interested when you say there's a conversation and it's not with words, right? Mm-hmm. It's like through our senses, through our energy. Yeah. A question I have about that for you is where do you physically, like if you think about the creek, and this relationship mm-hmm. you've made with this body, where do you feel in your body? Like, how do you feel the creek? What's that like for you? That's so interesting. So I, this reminds me of breath meditation, how breath meditation teachers will say, wherever you feel the breath, notice it. it might be in your nose, it might be in your chest, it might be in your belly. And for that and for the creek, I have it through the whole body. I just feel it everywhere. Like when I breathe in and I notice I'm breathing in, I feel energy rushing all throughout my body, all the way to my hands, my feet. I might notice like space opening, you know, different parts of my body opening as I breathe, but it's similar to me with nature. It's a whole body feeling to me. I I think if I'm uh, making a point of anchoring in, if I'm like, oh, I've really been in my head or I have been feeling uncomfortable or stressed, I might purposely connect with the feeling of gravity or the feeling of my tailbone on the earth. But there, and there are subtleties that I could describe, like the different elements. If I'm specifically tuning into those, I might feel them differently. Like the water, I'm like, oh, I feel a softening. I feel a kind of a downward pull or a melting kind of feeling and that light feels maybe more expansive warm um maybe i would feel i could even when i'm tuning in or thinking about it, i can imagine feeling the sunlight out my third eye like bringing light into that area or opening up the crown chakra so it depends oh and i do feel like uh, the sun does resonate at my heart too but all of this could also shift based on what i'm placing my awareness on or what I'm choosing, we really have so much 
subtlety in the body mm-hmm. that we can that we can kind of voluntarily move or open but that also just like is naturally there that it's so interesting the more you pay attention to that the more you pay attention to the energy moving through your body the more subtleties open up you know mm. oh yeah it's like a universe you know, yeah. so, many, so many layers in there and it, part of that subtlety and I'm glad to use that word when I think of trauma healing one of the one of the let's say like elements or branches of trauma healing that makes it successful. So to, to heal trauma successfully, which in somatic terms really just means the body is no longer storing a sensation or expectation of threat. Like it's released the threat, the the memory or the expectation of threat. Uh And now there's an openness and it can relate to its surroundings, let's say. So if I think of somatic trauma healing and I think of like collective healing, there's this there's this branch that's so important, which is relationship. Like, how am I attuning to another being? How's that other being attuning to me? And in situations where people um, have a car accident, let's say, those who have someone with them that can hold them or someone that's like petting them or it's going to be okay or like reassuring them, yeah. much less likely to be traumatized because there's another nervous system to relate um, to when yours has too much charge, right? Yeah. So when you talk about the creek, and I'm actually looking at my creek right now, oh. um, <laughs> you know, I'm on the second floor of my house, I can see this creek out here. Not really my creek, but that creek. And if I think of you sitting by it or see myself sitting by it, and I kind of do like an aerial view, you know, from the sky, it's this huge being with a much bigger capacity than you have in your small body in comparison. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel that? Like, do you feel the expanse and, and largeness of the earth? And does that settle you? Like, what's mm-hmm. that like? Yeah, tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Yes. See, I think that also is an important piece of my spiritual path is the, um, is being aware. Yeah, I am little, this little Tess that is in this separate body in, in one way. And I have little things that I care about in this life. And that's real. But then also being aware of the bigger picture where I'm also one, my consciousness is one with divine consciousness, with infinite consciousness. And my body is one with the earth. Like the shifting between those two, being aware of the reality of both of them at the same time. And then being able even to channel the power that comes from being aware of your infinite nature or your connection with the earth into your, you know, breathing that into your day-to-day goals and desires, maybe the ways you want to heal, being able to consciously channel that. And it all, each one nourishes the other. It nourishes, it, it, balances sort of um, harmonizes your goals your life experience to be like yeah this is this is important this is but it's relatively important based on you know who I really am my eternal nature my infinite nature my interconnection with the planet with the solar system with the cosmos you know having that awareness feels like a really big piece of my spiritual path now, when you're saying that, a question comes to my mind. Um, because you're so aware and you have this practice of being in relationship with the whole, 
right? The sun, the stars, the universe, the mystery beyond things you can't even see or understand. Because you have that practice, does that also mean you don't experience being lonely? Like, do you, if you're alone, do you, what's that like for you? Do you experience like, I'm alone, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm lonely, or do you always feel connected? How does well, that that's interesting. I mean, I do think it takes the edge off. <laughs> it takes the edge <laughs> off the loneliness. Yeah. <laughs> but I still, there are, ha- are still times when I have felt like I'm thinking about New Year's. It seems like around New Year's, maybe not this year, but frequently um, in the past, around New Year's and sometimes on my birthday, too, um, uh, th- there have there's been this feeling that I get of isolation or loneliness. Even if I'm my partner's there, I'm talking to friends. It's there still can sometimes be this sense of like, oh, no one really loves me. Like it does, it has come up still. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. I think the more I practice, the older I get, and the more I have this sort of comfort knowing that it, it feels more like okay I'm moving through this now this is temporary it, it feels real but I also know that it's gonna move through and I have tools to help myself heal as I go through I feel like it's important for us to to know that those things will come up it's not like the for me I think the spiritual path also I have learned it's not about getting to a point where I don't ever have pain come up anymore. I don't feel lonely anymore or I don't make mistakes. You know, it's mm-hmm. more how do I how do I move into that when that does come up? Yeah, you know, we call that cycles of rupture and repair where there's ah. like like in a lifetime you're going to rupture. I think I'm, we may have talked about this on your podcast, but there's going to be inevitable ruptures. Mm-hmm. And and that's 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 like a requirement to be alive. Like you're going yeah. to experience those things. It's like, do you have the practice in place for the repair to meet the rupture when it happens? Yeah. Right? Or are you just stuck in the rupture? And right. it's kind of like, it's good that you say that because some people have this concept of healing where they just like hit a pinnacle and they ride it out till they die. And yeah. I don't think it's really possible. It's not realistic. And I, what I find to be really interesting about what you do is that the more I, the longer I practice my spirituality in this way, the more I realize it's like over time, I feel like my body softens more and more and opens more and more. And I learn to kind of instead of when pain comes up, instead of retreating, I mm. learned to breathe into it and open mm. up. And it is so, to me, it's so interesting that the more I open up and soften, the more sensitive I become. And it's just like, it shows me how tender this life experience is, right? It's so it's beautiful. Just, yeah. It's there's so much like whether it's beauty, whether it's love, whether it's grief, whether it's loneliness. I mean, it's so profound and it it's like you can understand why people might naturally shrink away from it because being in a body is intense. I'm so glad you're saying that. And, and those of you who can't see us that are listening, Tess is doing these great movements with her hand, like, uh, you're saying when there's pain, instead of constricting and you're, you're making a fist, instead of constricting, you're learning how to open up 
into it and through it. Yeah. And that's that's what's the most difficult piece of uh, trauma healing. And I think life is there's this counterintuitive, very strange experience of when something hurts. Yeah. The, the natural thing is to wince. Right. And it's like, well, what, what if I didn't wince? What if it hurt and I opened and expanded and breathed into it? It's like, oh, that, that hurt actually moves. Yes. And it, right? It takes enough practice to start believing that that's true. Yeah. And it's like, it is sort of like when you get a massage and you're tense and it hurts, but it feels good. Right, <laughs> it feels correct. good and it hurts at the same time. And I realized, I think maybe earlier on in my life when I was in the spiritual path, I thought, oh, one day I'll get to a point where it never hurts. Nothing ever hurts ever again. And now I realize, no, it's really about learning how to open up to feel more and more deeply and it's sort of a mix of pain and joy and pleasure. And mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. intense. <laughs> well, when you, you know, I, it's what I love again about looking at the earth. You know, it's fall right now in the Northeast, and I'm seeing these like fiery trees, these beautiful colors. And it's like as the leaves are dying and the breeze comes in, it's really cold. The trees aren't like grasping for their leaves, they just release. Yeah don't uh, they? Yes. Know? And then spring, they just release and all this syrup comes out and the sap flows. It's like there's this constant cycle in nature when we look at it of release in the face of trauma and pain. Yes. Is Even like cutting down a tree, it doesn't fight you. Yeah. That's something really radical about that to me. Opening, surrendering. I feel like animals have that too, that they're surrendered to what's happening. And when I uh, communicated with flowers, I I wrote a book called The Magic of Flowers. And with each flower that I wrote about, I connected with it and I opened to it. And that I feel like every blossom has that wisdom too, that it's, it's so tender and it's so open. It's so surrendered. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I I finally watched the documentary um, Fantastic Fungi. I don't know if you've oh, ever heard of it. No, I haven't. I've, I, at least 30 people told me you have like for two or three years, you have to watch this. And so I finally watched it. Highly recommended. What's so cool is the documentary shows how the mycelium, which is like, you know, like the root system of the mushrooms, mm-hmm. how it stretches across the entire planet and it acts as this giant nervous system on the planet. Wow. And so as people are walking or animals are walking on the actual dirt and the forest ground, it's sending signals like for miles wow. and you know, communicating to the trees and the flowers and the, and the mushroom fruits that are coming up. And so when you were saying the piece, you know, about we're talking about nature, not constricting. Yeah. My mind sees part of that is because it's so connected to the whole that there's nothing to fear because it just goes right back into itself. You know, yeah. it's like, And we have that same connection, but because we're not physically attached, I think there's sometimes this concept that we're separate from, and there's a pain in, in identifying with a separation, if that makes sense. Yeah. But is it, do you think it has to do too with, I mean, it feels sort of to me like, you know, if you touch a a hot burner, you retreat. And it's a survival Mm -hmm. thing. So it feels like a similar dynamic to me. It's like, oh, there's pain I'm connecting with that's related to my childhood 
I got to get away from that. I've got to tense up. I've got to do whatever I can. And But you can't really, you can't yes. really get away from it. That's what you learn over time. Yes. But it is interesting how we do have that instinct sort of to tense up around it and try not to feel it, but it's yes. in us already. Well, that's the piece right there that interests me is that, because um, it is a natural reflex. Like if, if a baby touches something hot, Obviously, it's going to scream and cry and want to get away from it. Yeah. And, and thank goodness. Which because, is good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but where, where we're so different, I believe, is the ego, it just holds on to the images and expects more of them versus updating to where it is in the moment, right? So the pain of a childhood experience, like you said, it gets it gets stored in the body. And then there's like an unconscious expectation second to second of pain to happen again. Yeah. Versus when you, even when you see like a tragedy, like a, a baby deer get hit by a car yeah. and the mother's right there, like she keeps moving. There's this part of her that it seems like she's so, and this is my observation, right? Yeah. That she's so, um, she's just so in the present that there's actually this great video of, um, I think it's like a leopard or a lion or something chasing an impala. And it, the lion gets tired and like falls over and the impala just stops running and like eats grass like 20 oh, feet from the lion. Wow. So it, you're seeing it not thinking of the lion as a murderer or it's going to get me. It's just kind of like, oh, that's over. I'm going to eat some grass. Right? So it's like, there's like immediacy of presence. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. I wonder, is it, do you think it's like a glitch that we have or could it be related to, because I was just thinking yesterday, I mean, I because I, we talked about this in my podcast too, what interesting monkeys we are as humans, oh, yeah. but I was thinking, okay, we have cell phones, we have spaceships and and other species don't even have fire. They don't even have <laughs> yeah. a wheel. Yeah. Like that's such so different. But we're such a different species. So do you think it has to do with that? How we are so because that what differentiates us is like we can manipulate our environment. We can create what we want. We can fly if we want, you know. Mm -hmm. We can talk to people on the other side of the planet. Mm -hmm. Is it like I don't have to feel that pain? Where a deer is like, if I have, I can't even conceive of any other option. That's what it seems like to me. Because when I think of everything you're saying about like things that we've invented or our advancements, compared to if we see like like a beaver builds a beautiful house and it ends oh, right. there, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't take over the world. Right. You know, it, what interests me is this: like we have this strange um, ability to project. And I don't see animals project. We see them react. We see them respond, but we don't see them project as much. And, and we have this, con you know, humans, like you say, these strange monkeys we are, we, we have this thing that says like, okay, first of all, I want to observe myself. Then I want to replicate myself. And then I want to like imagine what's next. Right. And so, like when I say project, I mean imagine. So there's something about our imaginations and our obsession yeah. with ourselves that kind of, I think, fuels these advancements. Right. And then, well, but then the holding on to the trauma too, is it like, is it that? Is it also maybe now I'm feeling pain and that means that I'm going to continue feeling pain forever. So I have to retreat from that. It's mm, like, it yes. just feels like some kind of, there's some kind of glitch that maybe you, your work is focused on pointing to and helping us move through evolve out of seems like 
Well, yeah, when you say the word glitch, I mean, that's literally how I see it because ah. the, the trauma response is really healthy. Like if someone is chasing me, it's a healthy response to run, you know, yeah. and like an animal will run away from you. It's like healthy to have a trauma right. response. But like you just said, the glitch for us is then the images of them chasing us don't leave. Right. And we keep expecting more. And so we keep feeling more threat. Yeah. Versus when it's over, we don't just, oh, it's over. We stay right. in the threat. That's that's where I see the glitch. Exactly yeah. what you're saying. It's very interesting, yeah. isn't it? It is. And so it does. And I really relate to that because in my spiritual path, it does feel like I get into my body. I can feel like, oh, there's pain. Oh, good. There's the pain. Let's breathe into that pain. Let's get in there. <laughs> Let's let it move through. Like I can feel that now. Cause it, like, I just did a Oracle reading for the week and I was talking about how I was feeling emotional pain. And I felt like I needed to clarify. This isn't me saying this is bad. Like to me, this is like, mm. oh yeah, I'm, I'm mm. feeling pain. I love that. <laughs> I feel, you know, feel the grief. That. See, that's a big part. And that, that's also why, you know, I wonder about your practice and your work and, and this might be a generalization, but many witches I've experienced, uh, they're not afraid of pain. It's like part of the path. It's the spiral. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of the path of going into the whole natural experience. Yeah. Like, like when I think of a witch and there's all these, you know, secondary things that come out from it. Like there's the spells, there's the rituals, there's looks, there's all these things we associate and we practice. But when I think of the real core of, of what a witch is for me, is someone that just understands their, their part of nature and they're with nature versus mm -hmm. like separate from it or, yeah. or, or owning it. Right. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I guess I'm saying that because um, I think I lost my train of thought. Happens. No, it, it came back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I released it and it came back because, um, <laughs> because we're saying about this practice of uh, being open to the pain and when I think of, again, when I think of a witch and the practices of witches, we look in nature, we learn from nature, we move with nature, and we're open to everything natural, yeah. and, right? In like a non-dual way. Right. And, and pain is just as natural as pleasure. Yes. Right? So there's no like shame of having it. And so is that, is, am I right for you as well? Or that's just how I experience it? Well, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. There's no shame in having it. But also I think I feel the interconnection. Like I literally can feel that it's not one or the other. It's both. Mm. That when I, for example... After I cry, have a really good cry, I sleep so well, I laugh so deeply. I just, I can feel um, my energies flowing and moving. Mm -hmm. I like that you said that it, it's interconnected for you because um, I've come to find that pain is this is part of the same charge that is pleasure. Yeah. The, the difference is the body constricts or it expands, but it's still that same charge, that initial root energy. Right. Yeah. And so then a lot of the difference that what we think of as being, being the difference between them is a story. Mm. And mm. it's the same with love and grief. Mm -hmm. You can feel that they're the same feeling. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. You know, I, one of my favorite things to say is that grief is so much love. Like you're, yes. you're sickened with how much love you have. Yes. And 
Yes. You believe you can't give it to that person anymore and you feel horrible and you grieve. And yes, I find that awareness of, oh, I can still love this person possibly even more in death right. than when, when they were alive, like heals my grief and moves, right? Because that connection co- comes back. But you're talking about story there. That's important. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, tell, no, but I love the way that. you said that. Oh, well, just that, uh, that I, I mean, you just really paraphrased the feeling I have is that when I tune into grief, it, it it's that's love. That's intense love. And feeling, I, I agree, feeling that, um, that interconnection between the seen and the unseen. So mm-hmm. My family, I was raised in a funeral chapel family and my dad still works at the funeral chapel. My uncle still works there. And I was just there, I was visiting. And, but every time I go, I can feel there's an energy there at the funeral chapel that is, even though I'm not always the one experiencing grief, I can feel that it opens the loving someone who's on the other side opens a door Mm -hmm. of light Mm -hmm. it's like it creates a the sense it helps me feel that oneness that um, removal of that illusion of separation Mm. between the physical and the non-physical so shining love through that door that veil is um is a, a powerful spiritual experience you know i'm i'm curious for you what because you 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 have many books about like trees and flowers and plants and how they speak to you and what they're used for and what what kind of gets channeled through you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm curious if you could, if this feels appropriate, if there's a flower, herb and or tree that you consistently come by that helps you with grief or trauma or pain, or is there a particular one for you that you like to be with? Or you, okay, good. Tell us about that. Yeah, I have, I, my relationship with lilacs is just off the hook. (laughs) 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 It's, I mean, I love all flowers and trees and plants and herbs. I do, but when I see a lilac in bloom, it's, I, I cry. I mean, it, mm. the first time I see it in the season, like the lilacs are in bloom. And then I go up to one and I, every time I cry because mm. it is, and it's interesting that you said it right then, because it's that exact feeling that I have at the funeral chapel. It opens that veil for me. I can feel that interconnection. It opens the crown chakra which is like removing that illusion of separation between seen and unseen, known and unknown. Mm. And what about tree? What's your favorite tree? You know, aspens, since I've been in Colorado, I have realized how deeply I love aspens. And what do you, what's your way of working with them? Is it literally just sitting by them? Is it visualizing them? Do you make medicine from them? Like how, how do you relate? Well, with trees, yeah, I like. I mean, my relationship with trees is really being with trees. So looking at trees, it's breathing while I'm looking at a tree, <laughs> looking at a tree and breathing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very simple. <laughs> or lo- sitting by a but, tree. But, but what's not simple is the attunement to the subtleties of what's happening in your body when you're doing. Oh, that, right. Right. Yeah. It, it's like, there's, there's this, the reason why I love teaching embodiment is once you're like really able to feel those layers of your body, 
these very simple, like seemingly mundane experiences become like psychedelic adventures. Right. Right. I agree. Yeah. And then there's also so much information there. So much information. What do you need to know? Maybe you're not going to know everything. Everything might not be available to you, but what you need to know is there when you listen and you tune in. Yeah. It's been so lovely having you and speaking with you. I kind of want to ask you before we go, if there's any book of yours in particular that you'd like to point anyone toward or your website or anywhere we can find more of your work. Thank you for asking. So I have a new book out called The Self-Love Superpower, The Magical Art of Approving of Yourself No Matter What. And (laughs) Say that again. Say that one more time. That sounds great. The Self-Love Superpower. That's the name. And then the subtitle is The Magical Art of Approving of Yourself No Matter What. Oh, it gives me chills. I love that. Oh, thanks. And where can they find it? Oh, wherever you like to buy books. Great. So you can just type that in. Purchase yeah, it. or on my website, which is TessWhitehurst.com. Tess, thank you so much for joining me today. It was really nice to talk with you. Thank you so much. It was a delight. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. For more information on my work, including my online courses and healing circles, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share weekly philosophies and resources to help you release stress and trauma from your body so that you can live a happier life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.